We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages and inspires you. For more information, head to lifepointwithanee.org.au. Father, as we gather around your word this morning, we ask, Spirit, you might lead us and guide us, speak to us in our spirit, so that we might be more like Jesus out the other side. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's, it's easy to hear a presentation like Peter's and feel uh, a sense of hopelessness. And some of those people in those circumstances must feel a sense of hopelessness. When was the last time you had a sense of hopelessness? You know, seasons where it feels like the clouds are rolling in, the rain starts to fall, and the season of winter sets in. Your situation seems impossible, impassable. You can't analyze it and solve it. Life is just full of curveballs, isn't it? That just catches us off guard at times. You've heard my journey over the last season. I've felt like that. I couldn't see the way ahead. I was overwhelmed with grief or loss or confusion. Whereas like a haze had enveloped me and there was no way out. I know I'm not just speaking of my experience. Hopelessness is where you look into the future and you can't see anything that could possibly bring you joy. There's no answers to your questions. There's no solutions to your problems, no exits to your circumstances. You feel trapped, isolated, and alone. But I'm not sure that's how it's supposed to be as followers of Jesus. We're not supposed to feel hopeless. Jesus says this in John chapter 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled. And don't be afraid. Jesus knew his disciples well. He was about to go to the cross. And this is one of his his last pep talks to his best, best friends before he's crucified. And for the last three years, Jesus has endeared this ratbag group of men to himself. He's trained them vigorously in behaviour, in belief, in an understanding of how the kingdom of God that he represented works. He's indicated that he was going to use them to begin a revolution that would turn the world upside down. And then their leader goes and gets himself killed. And for the disciples, I imagine... It would seem that the movement that Jesus began and they hoped to be part of was dead in the water alongside Jesus. What could be more hopeless than that? And so Jesus, knowing exactly what they were going to be processing inside, said, peace I leave with you. Peace I give you. I don't give like the world gives peace. So fellas, don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Can you remember the last time you had one of those disciple hopelessness moments? Where the opposite for you was true? 
about a troubled heart and fear? How do you live a life of hope through the ups and downs of life in the midst of a broken world? How do you not get swept up in hopelessness? Well, Paul in Romans chapter 15 gives us two ideas that helps us live a life of hope. Catch this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of your Holy Spirit. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to sing this song and I probably sang it or we endured it the same way these children are enduring it. Got that there, Wayne? I think. Oh. Oh. you remember? I'm sure that was my grandma on that video. She would have done exactly the same. There are times where I think we might think that joy is a cup of hot Milo in front of a warm fire, reading a good book in front of a company that we love and we appreciate. Joy is about our circumstances. Joy is birthed out of our situation. Joy is preceded by an event. Joy, like laughter and sadness, ebbs and flows with the tides of life. But listen to this verse in Peter. Though you Christians haven't seen Jesus, you love him. And even though you don't see him, you believe in him. And you are filled with a inexpressible and glorious joy. You haven't seen Jesus. You don't see him now. You've never met him. Yet you have a joy that's bubbling out of you and overflowing that you can't even put words to. Have you ever had that moment where you've experienced something you can't even get catch the right words to describe? That's these Christians. Think of this joy that is bubbling overflowing out of them that they can't even put words to and they haven't even seen the man that they follow. Because joy is not about the circumstances. Joy comes from a positioning and an attitude of the heart. It's not based on what's happening around you or what's not happening around you. It's about who you know your God to be, who you know He thinks you to be, what you believe He's doing in the world around you and what you believe He's doing in the future. First Peter verse nine, chapter one. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls, He says to the Christians. 
That's why you have joy. I mean, you guys have been burnt to the stake. You've been crucified like Jesus. You guys are going through extreme persecution. You have this joy. Why? Because you're not basing your joy on what you're experiencing. You're, you're basing your joy on what you know the truth to be about what's coming down the track. And that is Jesus is taking you home one day and you're going to be with Him. And from that truth, an inexpressible joy is bubbling out. I own a black Prado. But about two or three months ago, my black Prado blew a head gasket. And when you blow a head gasket, you make a decision. Am I going to ditch it or spend six and a half thousand on an engine? Well, me, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm just going to keep topping up the radiator fluid. We're going to go years on just topping up the radiator fluid. 420,000, we're going to go 600. And so I did for the last few months, just, you know, every day or so, I put another litre in the radiator just to keep it going further. Then I drove to Yamba to see the kids the other week. And when we're hitting those hills about Ballina, towing a trailer, I could see the temperature gauge go until I got to the top of the hill and then rolled down the other side. I was about 17 kilometres outside of Ballina Airport I'm going to pick up the kids. And I already stopped a bunch of times to fill up the radio on those hills. And the time, I'd, I'd left myself like hours. I've got 17 k's to go and I've got about half an hour to get to Ballina. I'm starting to stress. I'm pulled over waiting for that radio to cool down a little. So I pull up, top it up. I top it up. I drive into the pickup zone just as Lacey's coming out of the airport. I think, thank you, Jesus. On the way home, the only reason I got home is because that car was fueled by the grace of God. And I get home, I say to Beck, I'm getting another car. I'm not doing that again. It's not worth the stress. And I must confess, as soon as I made that switch on my head that I just had to get another car, I went on to carsales.com and I started to get excited. The thought of driving a car that wasn't going to break down or stop on me or something like that, I started to get excited. I started to look at the cars. I rang Lance. Lance, what kind of model do I need for a Prado to do this? He's telling me what I should look for and start looking. I flick him a couple. No, 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 no. That one. Yeah, yeah, that one. I'll drive out to Mergen. Now, Gimpy head west an hour. Shake the farmer's hand. Yep, I'm going to take your car. Go back out on the Monday. I pick it up with Oscar. And I tell you what, there was excitement. I was so excited. And then for the next few days, I'm discovering new compartments and new plug-in things and it does this and a button does that. Each day I'm discovering something new. I'm excited. I'm reading the manual, figuring out all the things this new product does. And then I get to Thursday and there's no more new things. There's no more new compartments, no buttons, no special, you know, guys, you can relate, no technology things on there that tells you what the car engine's doing. I've figured it all out. I know what it's doing. And I must confess, the whole excitement level just went from here, just, just, just a touch. I'm still here, but just, it wasn't the same. No, for you, it might not be a Prado, but it could be your marriage, or your search for the spouse, or your kids, or the, the job moving up amongst the ranks, or 
the reconciliation of the relationship or the purchase of the house or the new online, whatever it is. There's something that often we're looking for to create circumstantial joy. And it feels good. And so we look for it and we look for it and look for it, not realising that God actually offers a joy that goes beyond the circumstances that like the people we saw in these videos, we can have joy that's overflowing and inexpressible if we don't base it on the Prado. But instead we base it on what we know God to be and where He's leading us home. So if you wanna have the hope that overflows, your hope can't be in the immediate in the transient, but on the truth. Joy bubbles out. But he also says, not only joy, John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I don't give you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Jesus here directly compares his peace with the world's peace. Now, what is peace? Peace is an absence of fear or an absence of worry. You know, we have fear of our circumstances, worry about our present, worry about our future. Fear takes away our peace. Fear steals our peace. Worry steals our peace. And that's why Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Because you want joy in order to gain hope, but you also want peace in order to gain hope. And if you worry and you're fearful, you're not gonna have peace and so you're not gonna have hope. Think about what you're currently fearful of. Think about what you currently worry about. Does it steal your peace? Does it keep you up at night? Is it always churning over in your brain? Does it make you frustrated or angry? Does it make you impatient with people around you? Does it make you sad? The peace stealers. The worry, the anxiety, the fear that just wants to steal our peace. How do you keep peace in your spirit when there are things to worry about, when there's circumstances to be afraid of? Well, peace will settle in you when you trust in Him. Romans 15, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. As you trust in Him. As you trust in Him. Here's a picture of Lawson. This is way back and Lawson and I are on the ride on lawnmower and you can see Lawson in between the legs. And I've shared with you before that Lawson loves to ride the ride on. And so he'd sit in between my legs, I would steer and then I'd find a gap where there's nothing around and I'd give Lawson the wheel and he would give it a go. But Lawson had no concept of how really to drive. And so we're going this way, I'm thinking there's lots of space and he would pull it that way towards the fence or that way towards the chicken or that way towards the house and I'd have to grab it again and I'd have to line it up again and I'd give it back to him and he'd go that way, just no concept at that time. That's sometimes how we deal with the situations of our life with God. We're in the seat, 
put God between our legs, we steer, and then we think there's nothing we're going to bump into. There's nothing that's going to steal you know, our happiness, nothing that's going to train wreck us. We say, all right, God, take the wheel. All right. And when something happens, oh, wait, God, God, well, I better grab it. There's a fence over there you didn't see. We don't bump into the house. Let me just, all right, God, good now. Take control again, all right. But what would happen if we did the opposite? What if we, we sat between Jesus' legs, we let him steer, and then from time to time, he'd say, all right, A.B., have a go. Oh, oh A.B., oh, oh, let me take, let me just steer you back on track. All right, have a go, another go. Oh, that's good. Oh, A.B., let me steer you back on track a little bit. What would really happen if you really trusted God for your circumstances? If even in the midst of hopelessness, if even in the midst of the results not coming that you want, when the doctor's saying the words that you feared, when the phone call never comes, when the bank account doesn't change, when the little stick thing never turns pink or blue, what would happen if you just let God steer? You see, the fear and the anxiety comes when we take it back. That's the peace stealer. That's the peace trampler. That's the peace annihilator. That's the peace thief. Is where instead of allowing him to continue where he thinks is best and right, we take and we try and curve our way through life. What if we just chose to trust? I can see it. I can hear the cogs turning. A.B., you don't know my circumstances. A.B., you don't know how long I've been here. A.B., you don't know the prognosis. A.B., look at you. Everything's going fine for you. You just got a new Prado. You're right, I don't know. And you're right, I don't know how hard it is. And you're right, I've probably never been where you are. And you've probably never been where I am. You've probably never experienced. But isn't that life? Is we all have seasons where fog rolls in and it's different to everybody else. And that's why we feel alone because we don't think anyone else has experienced what we've experienced. That's why when God's sitting on the seat and we're between his legs, the only person that we can be confident gets it is him. He's the only person that knows you intricately, who knows your limitations, who knows what you need, who knows what will get you through, who knows what will give you hope, the whispers that will give you hope that'll point you toward eternity. Remember that book of Habakkuk? I'm heading toward my end. Remember that book of Habakkuk? Minor prophet in the Old Testament. 
prophesies to Israel that they're heading into captivity in Babylon. And Israel is longing to get back to the city. They're longing to be free again. And they believed in their spirit that God would do it. They believed that he promised it. They just didn't know when it was gonna happen. And decade after decade, generation after generation comes and goes and they felt like God had forgotten his promise. And then in Habakkuk chapter three, probably my favourite passage in the scripture, it says this. Habakkuk says this. There's no fig on the tree. It doesn't bud. The grapevines are empty. Our olive crop failed. The fields aren't producing any food. There's no sheep in the pen. There's no cattle in the stalls. Yet in the midst of my hopelessness, I'm gonna trust in you. In fact, I'm gonna rejoice in you. I'm gonna be joy-filled in God my Saviour. Joy-filled in what? Not joy-filled in my circumstances, because there ain't none. I'm gonna be joy-filled in God my Saviour. I'm gonna be joy-filled that one day He's gonna fulfill His promise. Joy-filled that one day He's gonna take us home. Joy-filled that He's gonna lead us back. Joy-filled that we're heading to the promised land. I'm gonna be joy-filled on the truth and the promise of what's to come, not on what I'm experiencing right now, because right now, Sucks. So I know that for some of you, Habakkuk's picture is your story right now. There's no figs on your tree, no grapes on your vine, your olive croft just failed. There's no cows or sheep in your pen. And you're wondering, God, when are you gonna change my circumstances? What if he doesn't? Can you still have hope? Can you still be joy-filled? Can you still have the peace that passes all understanding? And the follower of Jesus says with a resounding yes. Yes, I can because my joy is not based on here, it's based on there. My peace is not based on what I can do, it's based on what He can do. So what I wanna ask, if you're like me, that would be helpful right now for you in your journey, to say, God, I confess, I haven't got a bunch of joy around this and I haven't got a bunch of peace around this. I just wanna give it back to you. I know that tomorrow I might take it again and tomorrow I'll give it back to you, but just today, in the midst of my desolation, I just wanna, by faith, give it to you. So as the team comes up, if that's you, if today is just a moment, a line in the sand, a flag on your hill, would be helpful for you just to give back. Uh, would you please stand and just put your hand out as though you're just giving back, just like that, and I'm gonna pray for you. Just stand where you are, put your hand out like that, and I'm gonna pray for you. 
I just want to say I'm so sorry. I really am. I'm so sorry that's the season you're, you're in. I may not know yours. I find there are seasons I daily have to put my hand out. And sometimes I might go longer. But the peace comes when we give it to Him. The peace leaves when we hold on to it ourselves. So Father, I just want to pray over these courageous people who have stood this morning declaring they want to give you over that which is stealing their joy and their peace. And we confess that our lack of faith at times leads us into that place. So I pray as you promised that peace might descend like a, like a mist and might surround each one of them as they courageously give over to you their burdens. Speak to them, encourage them, hold them tightly that they might know that you are everything they need. And may they overflow with an inexpressible joy and hope and peace that others want to experience. I pray because we trust you and no one else in Jesus' name.